Welcome to the Eat Scripture Podcast. This is Eric and Gina Robinson. We are going to continue talking about Luke today, and we've got an ongoing series right now where we've been going verse by verse through Luke. So we hope you're enjoying this, and we really appreciate all that you are doing to uh, pray for us and give us encouragement. We're having a lot of fun doing it, and this particular gospel is really intriguing just like they all are on its own so i mean we we reference the others a lot but boy luke has some really specific material of his own that is just very interesting to see how he's weaving it in with some of the other stories that the other gospel writers include we're going to be looking at one of those today actually yeah this is a story that neither matthew nor mark include neat material to luke so in chapter 30, uh, chapter 7, the there is thing. no wow. chapter 30. Oh, uh, boy, I'll say, yeah, Luke, <laughs> let's just talk about the things that he didn't write. No, <laughs> let's not do that. Um, let's actually talk about Luke chapter 7, verse 36 and following, where he inserts this story about Jesus eating in a Pharisee's home, yeah. which is not brought up by the other gospel it's writers. very interesting. Yeah. The Pharisees haven't seemed to be all that friendly. That's right. Exactly. We've definitely seen some <laughs> some so very antagonistic pushback. But yeah. But as well, I mean, we can talk about this after we get going mm-hmm. a, a little bit. But I mean, all Pharisees were not were not of the same exact right. same stripe. So yeah. this could have been one that was mm-hmm. feeling uh, good about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yes. Although I think he shows some true colors as we go down. A little bit down the page but, sure he um, does and yet even yeah we'll talk about it some more but yeah then how the story ends because my first thought is that he's calling him here to trap him right that's the way we do want to think about pharisee if there's a pharisee involved it's because he's asking he's looking for a catch him way to catch him wrong. yep and that could be what could be the here. case it's not impossible for that to be the case of course but it doesn't have to be like you were saying and that's the interesting part because luke when he gets to like acts chapter 15 he's the one who brings up that there are some pharisees involved in that christian debate over how to let gentiles become a part of this right. church body that we now have and so there were some pharisees obviously who were accepting christ but then had certain ideas about how to really let the body be built and how to accept these Gentiles. And so they're part of that going back and forth. So that that shows us that there's something happening among Pharisees that's well, not always bad. Well, and we know uh, Joseph of Arimathea was on the council. Yeah. Uh, Nicodemus seems to be. It didn't say they were Pharisees, and yet there they are. On the, they're very staunch, very, uh, you would consider them to be surely very much law-abiding, even very focused, law-focused Jewish leaders, and so could have easily been of the Pharisee sect, which is what Paul himself claims that he was uh, when we get over into, I think, uh, later in Galatians or something. But yeah, anyway, that whole deal, that's a very interesting thing to see how these Pharisees are actually kind of skirting the whole Christian Christian ideal from the very beginning, mm-hmm. kind of mixing with wonder. We're wondering how they're landing. We're seeing so parts like this really give us a, an eye toward, okay, it's not all black and white. There's some interesting things going right. on. Yeah, exactly. 
So maybe if we'll start reading in chapter 7, verse 36, I think that would be a good way to begin for today. Okay. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him for she is a sinner and jesus answered him saying simon i have something to say to you and he answered say it teacher a certain money lender had two debtors one owed 500 denarii and the other 50 and when they could not pay he canceled the debt of both now which of them will love him more simon answered the one i suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then, turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she uh, has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Mm. That is a great story because of the obvious mercy through God that is being shown in the story. A beautiful piece just on that level alone. And in large part, that's what it's driving toward here. That's what we're seeing is that Jesus has this concern even for these people whose society is trying to push to the side and push to the edge that he is going to be merciful toward them. But then there are other parts of the story too that are coming out here, which uh, I think we almost have to talk about i don't see um don't see a way to get out of it one of them is is like we've already mentioned just the fact that this pharisee is having jesus over to his house and and you were asking me too we were talking about this ourselves just exactly how they're eating what is this um space that they are at table reclined at table where is this space exactly how does this work that this woman because it get seems in weird that she's in the house. Feet. Like, yeah. is she part of the Pharisee's household? And if uh, she is, that would be weird because the Pharisee obviously has problems with how unclean yeah. she is. If he, you know, knew mm-hmm. what kind of woman this was. So yeah. Um, so maybe it is like you said, maybe on an open, in an open area. Open yeah, kind of an open area. Seems seems like that's a good possibility. So you figure you've got crowds following Jesus everywhere uh-huh. at this point, and so lots of those crowds are going to be people who are unclean, people who aren't considered, you know, the best people of society, and yet 
this, and and then this is going to be one who somehow makes it to Jesus's behind Jesus. We thought, you know, easy to picture them being at table, rec- reclining at table um, in our way of sitting at a table. And yeah. then you're like, how does she get to what is she doing? How does she chair? get to his feet? Yeah, exactly. But there weren't so, chairs. Obviously, there weren't chairs. They're kind of he's kind of laid. You can imagine if you can kind of imagine him laying half on his side, propped up on one elbow at a small, very short table on the floor and then his feet are kind of stretching out behind him and so then you've got this woman coming up behind him as the text says and she is now doing this thing to him which sounds a whole lot like Mary does in John chapter 12 verse 3 and following whenever I mean breaking a jar the alabaster jar and putting this perfume on him right. um, uh, there's certain earmarks that that seem to be very common uh, in different retellings of, of stories like this. But I do think definitely that this is a different story. I don't think we have to equate that one with this one. They sound too different to be the same, even though they have similar features. Which makes me think that maybe it became not uncommon for people to, to think of Jesus as somebody they wanted to anoint. And it was done with your best perfume right. at, you know, if you could get a hold of it, maybe, you know, maybe the whole process was kind of like people do today where they have, there, there are certain rituals that you do in certain cases um, that are similar because right. you're just trying to show love or show honor hospitality. or hospitality. Yep, this, exactly I mean, this would have been definitely something they did for hospitality. Mm-hmm. Somebody came in to eat with them. They would wash their wash feet, feet, provide a way for them to, uh, care for their feet because they would have been out walking for mm-hmm. so long in the dusty roads. Yeah. And uh, so he kind of points out, hey, you didn't do any of this for me. Right. Yeah, he does. You, you invited me in, but you didn't provide water or mm-hmm. anything for me to clean my feet. Mm-hmm. But this woman, yeah, she has not thought only. of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not even her guest. Right, exactly. Not even this woman's guest, and she's doing all the things that you didn't do and should have done. And you would think a Pharisee, of course, would have provided for a rabbi visiting his mm-hmm. house. And it's yet, a little embarrassing. Simon did not. Yeah, you would think he is really being upstaged by this so-called sinful woman and the way she's treating Jesus. It also makes me think about uh, the women. Uh, this is interesting because this is a woman. Here, and we're going to talk about some more women at the end of the story. Um, but the women anointing Jesus for his burial. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a, I don't know if it's hearkening to that, but definitely in the uh, story of Mary. Mm-hmm. Yes. What gospel is that? Um, uh, where she's anointing him for burial. Right. That's Mark. Said, okay, and yeah. then also John. So, um, definitely in those, we do see that illusion. And even he, he even says something about mm-hmm. it there. But it does make me wonder if that's partly what we're seeing here, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it certainly does. I think, and I, at least there's, yeah, at least there's enough similarity that you're forced to kind of question what all does this woman understand here? I do think, even if it is the same story, which I, I don't really think it is, but yeah, if I don't it is. Think so. He's telling it for a different reason. Right. a different point. Yeah, Luke is certainly making a different point out of it if it was. Um, And so here, this 
Pharisee Simon is called by name from Jesus and written by name by Luke. And when that happens, we can't help but wonder if somebody in Luke's audience is supposed to know who this is. Um, it's just it doesn't a, name him at the beginning of the right, story, just as a Pharisee, you know, invited him to his house to mm-hmm. eat. But then when he, when Jesus addresses him, he yes. uses his name, Simon. Right. Um, and Simon means to hear. Yep, to hear. And so I don't know if there's something there because yeah. he says, hey, I've got something to tell you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how he brings it up. Simon, I have something to say to you. So it's almost like saying, hey, listen up like your name says. Here comes something. I'm about to speak. It's a very common name. So. Yeah, it would be an extremely common name at the time. That's right. Um, and and then when Jesus does talk to him, he uses this parable to talk to him in. Oh, but before he, we go on to the parable, mm-hmm. one other thing in here that I thought was really stood out to me because we've been talking about how these stories talk about um, Jesus' identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here he says, if this man were a prophet, mm-hmm. and he's just thinking it. Yeah, he just thinking it. It says, it doesn't say he said it out loud. If right. this man were a prophet, he would know. Um, mm-hmm. So he's questioning whether he's even a prophet. Yeah. Just yeah. because of his letting this woman do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wash his feet. Right. Yeah, just because of that. Because, of course, if she does and she's unclean, then she's going to make him unclean. Mm-hmm. And then if he's a prophet of any kind, surely he should be able to discern what kind of woman this is. Right. Uh, and know that, that would, he doesn't want to be unclean. And this is where Jesus, perceiving his thoughts, you know, um, says to him, starts telling him this, this parable about this money lender and his two debtors. Yes. And how he forgave both of them, even though one owed him greatly more than the other one did. One owed him 500 denarii and the other one 50. And he says, which one will love the lender more? Uh, and, right. and of course, Simon says... I guess the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus, of course, says that's right. And then starts making the analogy, of course, between what what Simon must certainly perceive to be himself and this sinful woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and then Jesus talks she, about, walks through this whole... She yeah. obviously has lots of sins. Yeah, some And he some sees himself her. as very righteous. Yes, naturally. And so... Good Pharisee. She is, you know, has more to be thankful for. Yeah. She is showing the kind of love for him that would say she can't believe that he has granted her such such an audience or such mercy or whatever. And that, and so she is showing him that kind of deference. Whereas Simon, even though the rabbi has agreed to come to his house, Simon didn't get out the water to wash his feet, didn't kiss him when he came in. And, and and this and this is a big it's a big deal. This is what Jesus is trying to get across to Simon. Simon doesn't realize of course Simon needs the same kind of forgiveness that the woman needs. For all we know, maybe even more. Right. But as far as society and as far as and his understanding is concerned, it, right? yeah, surely he's he's got most of his ducks in a row. He he's quickly little. pointing out her uh Sins, mm-hmm. which we've just read about not to do that. Right. We have exactly <laughs> just read about that. And, uh, uh, so but here he is pointing it out. Yeah. And Jesus is kind of 
turning it on mm-hmm. him here. Yes, great point. He definitely is making a turn with it and pointing towards Simon. And then in 40, really it starts in 47, that he says that her sins are forgiven. Um, and then he tells her, says to her in 48, your sins are forgiven. And then those who are at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? So it's really making a big, yes, we have heard this in Luke 5, 17 through 26. We heard about that story where Jesus forgave the sins of a paralytic. Now, the paralytic was also healed in in front of everyone, too. Uh But the big point of that story was that he was forgiven those sins. And then he proved he had the authority to do it because he could also heal the man of his paralysis. Ergo, I must be God. Ergo, I can forgive sins. Mm -hmm. So here he's forgiving sins. And again, we have the same issue coming up. Wait a second. Who's this who's forgiven sins? But it's pointing out the exact same thing. We've got this subtle undercurrent again of Jesus being divine. Right. Jesus is divine. Right. I mean, if you can forgive sins, then he's really claiming to be God himself. Yeah. Claiming to be God. So he's just been questioning if this is even a prophet. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is coming back saying, oh, yeah. <laughs> Here's, how about this? Sins. Your sins yeah. are forgiven. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So big deal. Big point being made here about Jesus, who he really is. And going along with what we have up until this point, um, all this talk about being offended that we've talked about before. This is a fair. Pharisee gets a big mm-hmm big opportunity here if you're going to be offended here's your chance if he was trying to set jesus up it failed miserably because he you know jesus just he knows how to he knows what he's thinking yeah and he knows how to answer that with an argument that will leave the uh, pharisees speechless here he doesn't ever answer he does i just see him in my mind, he's just standing there with his mouth mm, hanging open, you know, just, oh, why, what just happened? Which may be the most interesting, one of the most interesting pieces of the story is that mm-hmm. we get no response from Simon. We have no idea which way he's going to fall at right. the end of this. Yeah. Um, we may feel like, oh, he's a Pharisee, so he'll hate this and he'll hate Jesus even more. But the fact is, Luke doesn't tell us. We yeah. don't know. Is, will Simon come around? Will he understand? For all we know, he, he got it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. For all we know, this is going to be a tipping point for him to realize who Jesus is. So in that way, it's kind of neat because it sits in that open-ended spot where it forces us to question it ourselves. Would I? Maybe this, you know, should make us think. Would I have given my heart over? I hope so. Now that we go through the end of the chapter with that story and we kind of leave it there where it's just kind of hanging there those who have faith and Jesus has forgiven and now we come to this another move into some women we just had this story about this woman who gets forgiven and she's obviously has great love for Jesus Mm -hmm. desire to give him even valuable you know to use up the most valuable things she has to anoint him and then we go straight into a few verses here where we're talking about women who've obviously received great 
you know, uh, blessing from Jesus and exorcism even, and they're giving over their valuables to take care of them. So it's a perfect lead mm-hmm. in yes. to what we're seeing in chapter eight, verse one. Above. Yes, you're right. I hadn't really thought about that. Okay. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. Okay. Now... It's talking about several women, it says, eventually mm-hmm. to us in verse 3. But as they're, as we're starting out here, we're hearing a few of those who are singled out to talk about. Now, the interesting part is Jesus and those who are with him going throughout the area. He, especially, it says, went on through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. So that's what Jesus is doing. This is what he has come to do. It's what he continues to do. Moving from village to village, talking about bringing the good the news. Good news. Yeah. yeah. And so that's a, this is a wonderful thing. And we're talking about how his preaching ministry as it is, uh, is going. The 12 are with him. And then it says, then it brings up, like we said already, these women, some women, who'd been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. And then in our ESV, it gives us a nice little colon there. Right. Now we know that like these are not in the original examples but, of some of these women. But who've yeah, been that's healed. what it sounds like that these right. are. Now it tells us the first one very clearly is because Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had gone out. A note we don't get anywhere else. Mary Magdalene is talked about in the other gospels. Mm-hmm. But we don't get the note that she had seven demons cast out from her, except here. Very interesting, because as you know, she's always cast as this crazy woman in all the mm-hmm. movies or anything. Yeah, um, and maybe she did come she, across that way. I mean, this understood. does say this about her that she had seven demons cast out of her. Yeah, but so, it is the only place where it's brought up. That's right. So, so we can't help but wonder just how. I don't know how widely known was that how widely talked about was that you would feel like maybe it would be something to be brought up in the other gospels when it came up and yet they don't so which no problem for me i mean and probably i'm sure no problem for anybody else it's just interesting that luke is the one I think in Luke, being a doctor, I wonder if he kind of put some emphasis on some of these Mm. uh, things that Jesus was healing. Cures, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. So, the idea that she had seven spirits um, cast out of her is very interesting. Healed of, yeah, who had been healed of evil, evil spirits. And infirmities, seven demons had gone out of her. And Joanna then, he brings up, who again, we don't know anywhere else. The wife of Chusa, the wife of Chusa, Chutza, uh, Herod's household manager. Yeah, which is, I mean, what? Yeah, what? Exactly. Uh, this what? woman of uh, 
woman who's married to a high-ranking, mm-hmm. um, you know, member of Herod's yeah. household. Yeah. Um, Think even maybe chief of staff type position. Um, he, his name itself is probably more of a title than a name. Chutzah would mean a visionary or a seer could easily be that this is has as much to do with his position next to Herod as anything the king would be having strong advisors around him beside him think of a chief of staff slash advisor who's able to talk to the king and help guide him in his decision making process this woman is his wife oh my goodness wait a second he's the wife of Herod the Herod who we're going to see at the end of this very gospel talking to Jesus, trying to get Jesus wow. to do a miracle and in front of him. this is the same Herod who had John the Baptist beheaded. Yeah. And so yeah. this is somebody who's high ranking in his area, like a chief for of sure. staff, like you said. Yeah. His yeah. wife. His wife. So it just makes, I want more story. I want yeah. to know more. Definitely want more story. So she's using funds. Uh, presumably household funds for her and Chusa, the money that's being made, that some of those funds are going to help support Jesus. Wow. That's crazy. That's amazing. Yeah, this is a beautiful little piece here that we would love some of And we don't know anything about Susanna. This is the only place she's mentioned. Only mentioned. That's uh, right. And again, Luke is the only one who tells us this little bit about these women mm-hmm. yep. who are not only following, which was unusual mm-hmm. in that day that the women would be would following go. a teacher around. Yeah. Now they they might apparently did support yeah. Yeah. Um, some of the Pharisees and stuff. Right. But they weren't following normally. Mm-hmm. Yep. But they're following uh, him they and they're very different. I mean, at least the two we have mentioned seem to be very different. <laughs> Although we don't have a lot of information we don't know about it. Yeah. But it just kind of reminds me of, you know, we had just gotten this story about Jesus choosing the 12 mm-hmm. out of all of his disciples. Yes. And then we have this list of women. Oh, yeah. Here. Not dissimilar in the way they're coming across mm-hmm. here. Yeah. So a nice list of the 12 men that Jesus picks to be particularly close to him, but also this list of women who are obviously significantly involved in how the ministry goes and where it's headed, going with them and everything. I mean, yeah. so so don't write off these women. These are right at the heart. These ladies are right at the heart of what's happening with Jesus. And what is and Luke trying to tell us with this? Because this seems like kind of a weird um, little story. It's not even telling us that much. It's just mm-hmm. this little addition. But it's yeah. at the end of this story about a woman mm-hmm. who inserted herself in a place that she shouldn't have been, mm-hmm. right. I guess, <laughs> to see yeah. Jesus right. and give him uh, praise. Yes. And then we have these women who are following him. And I think very closely. Um, this is just an example of Luke showing us that the gospel is for all. Yes. It's for women. It's for Mm-hmm. Man, it's for the rich, the it's for the poor, the outcast, the demon possessed, the mm-hmm. um, yeah, members of Herod's household, the yeah, everybody from the highest rung to the very lowest, the tax sinners, collectors. the Pharisees, yep. it's 
he's here for all. Yeah. And that is a common theme in Luke, and he wants us to know yeah. that. So as we go along, we need to be um, aware yeah. of those stories and where he's, how he's trying to get that point across. Yeah. So uh, exactly right. So this piece from thirty-six all the way to eight-three, these are all things right, right in between here that are not included in other gospels. These. The, the list of names like this with these mm-hmm. ladies' names, the story of the woman who comes during the Pharisee at the Pharisee's house while he's eating. All of this is stuff that's extra material. We would call it extra material for Luke. I mean, this right. is his specific material. So it does, like you're saying, really shine a light on where Luke's heart is. This is the stuff that he brings to his gospel that nobody else does. You can count on the fact that he must have had a real real love for this I want to be sure that this stuff gets people included. knew that these women were from from center to probably a pretty prominent woman mm-hmm. were yep. all very involved yes. in Jesus ministry yes and so that tells us it was for everyone mm-hmm. yes and we will see that throughout Luke and Acts he will shine lights on the upper echelon that gets involved in Jesus's ministry, as well as the lowest members of society who get involved. You know, Luke is really, really good about that. Things are everywhere from palaces to people who are on the bottom rung, the beggars, um, people who are being involved. So it seems like they are along with him to bring this good news of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. They've yeah. been changed. Their lives have been radically transformed or they wouldn't be doing mm-hmm. what they're doing and they're sure. with him. So yeah, I really Great. love that. And I think the story, maybe this parable that we're going to go into for the next time mm-hmm. connects to this. Surprising. Yeah. Really? <laughs> okay. So. That's going to be interesting to look in and see then. Yep, next time we'll start with that, start with that parable of the sower. But for this time, we really appreciate you all listening. Uh, Really great to watch what Luke's doing, so keep your mind on that. Let the Holy Spirit use that as you think about it for the next few days. We will talk to you soon. God bless.